Hey, welcome to the Gear Horrors Podcast. In this week's episode, our very own Mark Olson is sitting down and talking with Nate Olson of the Volrath Company. Well, if you haven't stopped down to see us here at our showroom in store located at 220 T-Lab, then come on down where we have a large selection of any of the restaurant supplies or smaller items that you could think of along with our equipment showroom and our test kitchen. You can also visit us online at gearhorrorsupplies.com where you can purchase any of the popular restaurant supply items that you may need for your food service operation. Thank you so much for checking out the Gearhards podcast. Without further ado, here's this week's conversation between Mark and Nate. Welcome, Mr. Olson, to the Gearhards podcast in Syracuse, New York. I know you traveled far to come today, and I appreciate that. You will be our first direct factory rep from Volrath to be on our podcast. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you are, as I read your title, district sales manager for Smallwares uh, in the North Carolina, Maryland, and Virginia area. Yes, correct. So congratulations. Are you enjoying that so far? It's been good. It's a new change. I was handling North and South Carolina, but with COVID, had to make a couple changes within the organization, but excited for the new challenge. So is what is Volrath seeing in the industry with the COVID? I know in our operation, we've seen things shift. We've seen business decline, but then we've seen business pick up in certain areas where it comes to health and safety. Uh, like yesterday, you know, we had the Syracuse University call and want the, the uh, lid savers for the, the campus dining halls, things like that. Are you seeing a different shift in your business? I know when Jill, who is the uh, director of Smallwares and Counter-Attack Equipment was on our, our podcast, we talked about the, the breath guards and the you know, all the things that are working in the industry to safeguard not only the employees, but the guests. What are you seeing in the, in the field? Because you're directly in the field working with end users, correct? Yeah, directly in the field. Uh, we're seeing definitely a lot of changes um, within hot products and new products. I mean, we're trying to pinpoint the products that are going to stay beyond COVID. Um, so you mentioned lid savers with Syracuse University. We're seeing a lot of success with those in hospitals and convenience stores as they have to shut down their beverage stations. Um, I mean, I know when I go to a convenience store and it doesn't have a lid saver or a single lid dispenser, I'll take a couple off the top, grab a middle one and put it back in. Um, so we're seeing a lot of success with lid savers. We're seeing a lot of success with our new mobile breath guards, our safety shields, um, hanging from the ceiling, going from the countertop model. It's just... At Volrath, we're trying to find things that stick. They're not just a quick solution that are going to be here for the next couple months or however long COVID takes to uh, be vaccinated and return back to normal. We're trying to position ourselves in the market that we can have products that are COVID-related but also will stay after. Um, so, I mean, as you've seen in central New York and beyond, the whole industry is affected by this. So. Um, we're having to find new avenues of customers and, and, and expand. And, and we're seeing that uh, the more diversification you have within the industry in terms of your customers and your um, who you reach out to, the better uh, positioned you are. I've said that all along when I talk on these podcasts. You know, we're fortunate that we're in corrections. We're in colleges and universities. We're in hospitals. We're in convenience stores. We're in restaurants, bars. Um, you know, golf clubs, you know, you name it. We, if it has anything to do with food or food service or seating or smallwares or disposables, we're in that. And I think that's important nowadays because Volrath kind of has that whole breadth of equipment and supplies and smallwares and things like that. Do you think that Volrath is going to shift more towards that, you know, 
disposable or, or equipment that meets the demand of today, or do you think they're in, you know, like a, a long-term goal of something that, you know, going in a different direction? Because, like, for example, we have a chain who literally has said, we're going to rethink the way we do business now. Uh, it's a tender chain that we have that we do a lot of business with. They're actually looking at saying, Geez, could we do more takeout? Could we do more with Grubhub? Could we model a new chain after this great item that we have and really run with this tender, tender concept as a standalone operation? Is Volrath looking at something like that? or? Well, I mean, we're always looking at new and innovative ways to come up with products to bring to the market that really help our customers and help our end users. Um, but at the same time, we've been around for 145 years. Uh, we're not going to go anywhere. Um, we have our staple products, our steam table pans, our smallwares, our pots and pans that we've had for forever and that um, often when people hear Volrath they think steam table pans and all that stuff so I think we're a, a great mix of both at where we are we're focused on the future and, and long-term goals to help our company and our customers grow um, together but also always looking at new trends and innovative ways to kind of be ahead of the curve and ahead of the market and um, analyze those new trends. I know our marketing department is analyzing new trends constantly and our upper management is analyzing where the food service industry is going, doing forecast one, two, three, five, ten years out. Um, so I think we have a, a good mix of our bread and butter and, and the products that you know Volrath by, but also always going to be looking for innovative ways to uh, stay new and relevant and, and make an impact in the market. I know Two years ago, as you brought up the, the DoorDash and the Grubhub, and now, I mean, it's even blowing up even more with delivery and takeout. We came out with our delivery bags and our catering bags. Um, so we've all, we've since I've been a part of Volrath, we've made these small little changes to try to position ourselves in the market going forward, depending on what happens. I mean, with as you see with the breath guards and the hand-washing sinks uh, and the cleaning carts. So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to work for Volrath. I think we're a very good mix of sustainability and always innovation you and i have had so just so our listeners know that uh, nathan is my son uh so just a little uh, fyi for everybody and we have spirited debates about cost of ownership and that's one thing that i think that you have always stressed with volrath and we try to stress it too with the, the products that we sell we want someone to be happy a year two years three years four years five years ten years down the road and say you know, wow, this was a great investment. This was a great design. This was great customer service. And that's what it's about. We're seeing less and less of that today where people are looking at price conscious things. How is Volrath, because you guys are known as the industry leader in, you know, those items that you talked about earlier. How are you guys trying to figure out how to combat that thing? Because it's just got to be as difficult for you guys in some items as it is for us. And I know that cost of ownership thing that we've talked about many times is really important. And we've tried to use that and train people and educate them uh, and, and, really show this benefits and features of spending a little bit more. Uh, it's more energy efficient. It's going to last you longer. It's going to be easier to take care of. There's all these things that we try to tell customers to do. What are you guys doing at Volrath to try to help educate the end users on that cost of ownership? Well, as you can see, we have many different marketing pieces in terms of flyers, videos that we focus strictly on total cost of ownership. And then with our products, we have our different catalog sheets and spec sheets that push out information on the key benefits and features and energy savings. Um, the preaching the total cost of ownership, as you've seen, kind of comes down to the people on the road and getting out to as many end users and dealers and really preaching it. And it's, it's easy when you believe in it, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, 
in terms of a steam table pan, you can buy a Volrath steam table pan for twice the price, but you know it's going to last. You know the corners aren't going to bend, and you know we're going to stand behind the product in case it ever does bend or there's a uh, user error or, or something happens where they need to replace that. You know we're going to stand behind it with our lifetime warranty, and we're going to replace it. Um, the big battle is just you go into these end users, and they just see that first bottom line price, that first price they pay. They don't realize some of the end users don't realize that, hey, this is more susceptible to break. This is more susceptible to um, have a problem. And then couple that with um, the manufacturer or the rep maybe not standing behind their product like we do. So they run into trouble. They have to purchase that same unit again, that same steeple pan again and again and again. And I think it kind of just hits them that, hey, if I spend a little more upfront, I know that I'm going to have a quality product that the manufacturer stands behind and I'm gonna have less hassles moving forward. I would ask you the same, like how do you deal with those end users that are just so price driven and just focusing on the bottom line the whole time? You know, we it's education, it's doing these podcasts, it's reaching out through marketing efforts. It's, you know, the biggest thing we do is it's relationship based. So if we have a relationship with a customer and we can say, listen, here's why we think you should do it and that's that trust factor. We're on our second, third, fourth generation customers. And I think the reason that we've had that success is because we literally do not sell them something that we don't stand behind or believe in. We'll sell you that, you know, not inferior product, but you know, a product that is probably not as good as say a Volrath or something else, but here's why we think you should buy this and here's why we think you should use this product. And just kind of like you had talked about, you guys go to market a lot different than most manufacturers. And when Jill was on, we didn't really talk about it, but you're a factory direct rep that you work directly for the factory and you're going out talking to end users. We're going out tack, you know, directly talking to end users and, and dealing with them. So we kind of do the same thing uh, with, with education and with communication and, and showing them what they need. We do struggle, you know, with the internet and, and some of these companies that try to just go at lower prices, less service. And there's some appeal to that, obviously, but we're trying to do that, you know, educate the customer, show them the, you know, in our test kitchen, having all the baller products, having the, the things that we think are gonna save them money, give them a better product, and you guys are obviously doing a good job with, you know, like the sous vide and the Stoling line and all the other things that are going on in the market. You're doing a good job with that, showing us in the training that you do in our training room through uh, Chef Rich. Those things are going to help us in the long run. This is a tough time. Nobody's going to say, hey, COVID wasn't, you know, uh, an easy time in anybody's life. It has. It's been difficult and it's been very hard for a lot of restaurants, especially us. But we think we can come out of this. We're positioned the same way that Walrath is positioned is, you know, we're a 50 year old family run company and a 70 year old family run company merged. We think we're in good shape to come out of this even stronger than when we went into it, but we want to be better and mm -hmm. we want to learn from this and move forward. That's why I think it's so important out of something bad like COVID, something good has to happen. And you guys have been able to come out and show us some new products and do some new things. Do you see the role as a factory draft rep changing? you know, in the future? Because I know we have some end users that we just can't go see. They don't want to see us. They don't, you know, they just said, please wait till there's a vaccine or wait till we're more safe. Yeah. So it's definitely been a little different during COVID. I mean, I, I talk with my coworker down in, in the Carolinas and some days we feel like we're more of just service reps and just answering emails, trying to help problems. And um, you don't really get that feeling of going out there on the road and selling someone a product and trying to make their operation better. So there's definitely been um, 
kind of days and during COVID where you're in your office, you can't leave and you're answering emails and it doesn't really feel like for me, I'm used to being on the road three to four days a week and getting out there and seeing as many customers as I can. So there's been a, um, a transition during COVID, um, post COVID, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I guess it all depends on, um, the individual who's you're trying to see what their views are on having people come in. I know, um, compared to South Carolina, compared to Virginia and Maryland, I'm able to go really wherever I want in South Carolina in terms of um, when I'm trying to set up appointments, customers are willing to have me come in, dealers are willing to have me come in, but um, trying to schedule appointments up in Virginia and Maryland, it's really hit or miss depending on who the customer is. Um, So I think moving forward, it's going to be a new sphere and new role that we're going to have to adapt to in terms of it's going to be more um, service related on the phone and and email um, because people are just afraid of seeing people and they're afraid of of transferring the virus and it's completely understandable Um, so it's I I believe the days of just getting on the road and going and making cold calls and scheduling a couple appointments a day and then making cold calls in between, I, I think those are going to f- kind of fall by the wayside until there's a vaccine and, and things in place that uh, make people feel safe. Um, but I definitely see a, a, a change in the role um, during COVID for sure. But mo- moving past COVID, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that balance of being on the road versus being in the office and answering emails is going to be. Where do you see, like we look at right now that, that we think healthcare, convenience stores, um, colleges and universities, they probably are the big three sectors that need the most attention and help right now. Restaurants have kind of figured out what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, but we're working towards figuring out ways to help them. What do you think the next big market, you know, you know, like we talked about gloves and we talked about masks, we talked about shields, we talked about lid savers. What do you think? Is Volrath looking at anything that's like, I just wish I could have that crystal ball and say, exactly, yeah. you know, like, God, I wish I had more sanitizer or glo- like toilet paper. We, we literally, we're, we're now running out of takeout containers. We're having manufacturers, we have a hard time getting enough takeout containers because, for example, Syracuse University, everything's going to be to go. Mm-hmm. They're going to serve 100% of what their things. So what are you seeing in the market? Have you guys heard anything? Is Volrath looking at anything saying this product or you know, like those induction cookers, you know, the drop in induction warmers or anything like that in the technology side that is going to help some of these customers with COVID. Cause I heard today on the radio, COVID can live on cold surfaces longer than they thought it was going to be able mm-hmm. to live. And that's a question that's everybody's, what do we do and how do we deal with it? Well, like I said earlier, we're always looking at the market and trying to kind of see where it's going and position ourselves correctly within that market. Um, I personally believe that the, the breath guards and that mount to the table and come down from the ceiling, I think they're going to be here to stay. I mean, you go everywhere. You go to the, the bank, convenience stores. You go to the restaurants now. They all have those shields, and I think that people are going to associate that shield with a sense of safety and a sense of comfort moving forward that I don't think people are going to really be able to get over um, mm-hmm. within the foreseeable future. So I think those breath guards, in terms of products, I think the breath guards are something that we've position ourselves well with moving forward in terms of, of segments like you said colleges healthcare, um, we're definitely seeing a boom in in healthcare and colleges i mean especially down in the carolinas i have duke unc clemson uh, south carolina such major universities that are all planning on going back to school as of now um, maybe looking at bringing half the kids back um, three days a week um, 
So colleges and universities are definitely in a struggle to f kind of figure out what the, I think Syracuse University is doing a very good job um, from what I understand through you with the, the four different dining halls within the Carrier Dome kind of repositioning um, that space. Um, a, th a, a big segment for us down in the Carolinas is the uh, retirement uh, communities. Um, I know up here there are certain retirement communities, but the retirement communities down there, I mean, are absolutely amazing. Some have 18-hole golf courses. They have five-star restaurants. They have full-time chefs, full-time staff, um, which I wasn't really used to when I was in this market for four months. I didn't, I didn't have a single call at a retirement uh, facility. So that's another segment that we're seeing. Um, in terms of education with K through 12, we're seeing a lot of, that's where we get a lot of our small wares. Um, and the North Carolina is taking it county by county. So a lot of counties are having the opportunity to decide whether or not they want to come back at the original time, or a lot of them are pushing, pushing school back. So, I mean, everyone, every segment is affected by this, as you know, and it's just kind of, there's no one blanket product list that you can throw out to every single segment so it's just kind of working and with each segment understanding each segment what they need coming up with that product list and just trying to be there for them and help them and move yeah. move forward with them so it's a lot of mixing and matching what do you think you know that was a good point about the retirement communities because that they have been hurt or affected they're still in it they're not going out you know you know as well as i do that people are just not leaving they're afraid to leave they're mm -hmm. just not going to but they're adapting i didn't even think of that as a market that really is affected by this because they've had to go to their freedom in their rooms or now they're just coming back but they have to social distance and if it hits their their community oh, it's, it's it's yeah it's bad That's, the funny yeah. thing is that was my first appointment down in the carolinas my first time getting out of my apartment on lockdown was to see a retirement facility and they I was shocked that they let us in there to go and look mm. at their kitchen but they're the one um, that we've been working with are more like they live in their own little houses on a big community and mm -hmm. then they travel and go to the restaurants go to the golf course go to the recreation center so the ones that are like that are having a little easier time because they can cook the meal the kitchen staff can be in the kitchen cook the meal and just give it to them they can call in and order what they want um, the ones where you have the more traditional, where it's kind of just like a building with one little kitchen, that's where we're seeing a lot of adapting having to come, where they're ordering those disposable takeout, kind of really having to get creative um, to feed their, their um, what would you call it? Clientele. Ten client, yeah, yeah. Clientele's tenants. Um, because, like you said, they're just, they can't go outside. They're not letting these people go outside to go get food so they're having to do a lot more volume than they're used to so that's there's kind of two different segments within that one segment that again you got to mix and match and kind of find a, a product list that works for them and they found out that food and that's the nice thing about being in this business they found out food is a very important it's not just for seniors and it's not just for education and leisure it, food is one of the things that brings us together and that's a th sad thing that has been that happened in COVID is we can't go to a restaurant with a bunch of friends and family as much as we used to be able to. People are still getting used to that. The client I talked to yesterday, the reason they're looking at this tender concept in a different way is because their dining room has been really, really affected. People are still afraid to come in and sit down, even though they're following the guidelines and social distance and everything. But I think it's exciting because there's, to me, there's going to be new opportunities. Food service is adaptable. Everybody's going to find a new way to do business. Um, the strong will survive. The weak will not survive. But that gives everybody opportunity in our business. And the food service industry is, a, you know, a, 
I think those billion dollar business that yeah. will will adapt and will do a good job. I think those traditional restaurants that are seeing that they can still maintain a good portion of their business through that takeout and delivery are going to be set up well for the future. Maybe they can downsize their their dining room and their, and their seating capacity and maybe move forward. They see that hey, we can still make money doing this delivery and the takeout. I think that COVID, I mean, as bad as it is, I, I agree with you that I think it is um, opening up a lot of doors for people to see the adaptability of this industry and how to continue to make their money and continue to bring their product to the market. So so doing this now, well, you're in your second year or finishing your second uh, year? Finishing my second year. What, uh, what has surprised you the most in this industry? Um, I think the, the thing that has surprised me most is just how nice and laid back the people are. Yeah. I mean, I came from the technology industry where I was cold calling people, trying to get them on the phone, and they would just tell me to, to screw yeah. off and hang up on me all the time. And you you go into a restaurant, you go into an end user, um, and you see that this is their life. They really, really care about this industry, and they care about the food that they're putting out. I think it's just it's such a great industry, and it's it's really something that I mean, this is my second real job um, mm -hmm. out of college, but I think it's just something that I was so surprised by how nice everyone is and how much they care about the food that they're bringing to market and their customers, and it just and it excites me to wake up every day and work hard and, and try to bring products to them. It's it's always a it's a people business and it's a relationship business. Whether you have a restaurant or a, you know healthcare facility or what it is, it, it's about the people. It's about the food, but those relationships are important. And that's what I you know every day. It's and it's different. Every that's what I love about it. You know today was dealing with a food hall, dealing with a, a retired surfer bar that I'm working on. I'm going to a healthcare facility in the afternoon. And then late at night, I've got to work on some stuff for a uh, hotel that we're working on. So you're doing with something different every day, and it's probably the same in your thing. What's the hardest thing you, you've had to deal with or learn getting into this business? For me personally, the hardest thing I've had to deal with is um, accepting the word no. Um, <laughs> and, and <laughs> Any trying, salesman doesn't like yeah, to do that. Um, accepting the word no and, and realizing that not every sale is going to go the way that I envisioned or, or wanted it to go. Um, but I think hearing no and, and not just hearing no and saying, oh, I'm never going to try to sell to this guy again. I think hearing no and trying to understand why um, he doesn't, he or she doesn't want that product at this time. Maybe it's they just don't need it at that time. Maybe they can't afford it at that time. Maybe it just doesn't fit their operation. I think hearing no and, and trying to learn from every time you hear no or every time it doesn't go um, the way you want it to go, I think that's been the toughest um, thing for me uh, going forward. I think in any sales, whether it's selling what we do or selling in a restaurant, you have to listen to the customer. You have to hear. But it's not just listening to the customer and asking questions. It's okay, you, you don't need this, well, you know, can you tell me why, and then, or what if, or what would you use, or what could I do, you know, all those probing questions, I think it helps, because you're right, it's their life, it's their money, it's, it's they, they have a reason why, and if you can figure that out, it does help soften it, but it's not easy to hear <laughs> no either, I get that, um, but I try to tell all the salesmen here that, you know what, if you have a relationship, first, and then you sell second. That's in my mind. They want to do business with people they trust, business people that they like, people that they know are looking out for their best interest. Because we talk about it here: real people, real, real operations, real food. 
it's we're we're vested in that we're vested in making sure that they succeed because we want them to go out and say hey use Gearhart's equipment because they helped me do that and we've done that we've had a couple end users on and they've said very nice things about us but it's not we didn't pay them or we it's mm -hmm. the service that we do it's kind of same with Valrath you know we look at factory direct reps a lot differently than we do other reps because we had Jeff Carragher on from Link2 and he talked about the chicken wing concept where you have the person that sells you the chicken wings you have the person that sells you the blue cheese you have that's kind of what they do you're only selling one product line mm -hmm. uh, and you work directly for the factory that to us is a little bit easier when it comes to service and support and samples and things that we need and promotions and opportunities those partnerships are why i think volrath is one of our top five you know vendors in our, our portfolio and we have over 300 vendors that we deal with on a daily basis what do you think moving forward could help this industry you know you're young and there's not a lot of young people in this industry why do you think there's not more young people getting into this industry because as you see it's diverse it's ever-changing days go by like that you know, and you're working on different things and you're working for a great, why aren't more young people? Because we struggle with that on the sales side. We, we have a hard time getting people to get into this industry. I think a lot of young people don't really understand that this part of the industry that we work in, it really exists. I think they just think that they go to a kitchen and the pots and pans and all the equipment and the food kind of just magically appears. Um, and I think that this industry is a family business. I mean, obviously, I, you were the one that turned me on to this industry, and you work for a company that's family-owned. I work for a company that's family-owned. Um, I think that part of it is um, maybe the, the the people in this industry already uh, that work in the kitchens and that, that have these, these kids that want to get in. I think that there's just maybe a disconnect between kind of the kitchen life and then the life we do. I know mm -hmm. you, you've worked in many kitchens. It's a different life than oh, yeah. um, the industry. And I think young people kind of just clump the industry into one or maybe just only think about the kitchen industry. Um, I don't really think that, I mean, when I was going through college, I didn't really think about this industry, ever working in this industry, ever mm -hmm. really exploring this industry. And I, I don't think many young people are really doing that. I think you have a lot of culinary colleges that are, you go, you're going there to be a chef or you have courses um, like at OCC with the um, restaurant management. You don't really have courses that are focused on going to be, to work in this side of the industry, selling to restaurants, selling to dealers. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's really marketed well to the younger generation. I mean, like you said, everywhere I go, end users, dealers, they're like, how, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty reluctant mm -hmm. to say it because 95% of the time I get the answer, oh, I've been in the industry longer than you've been alive. And I think that's something great that Volrath has been doing with the, the Volrath sales training program is being, bringing these kids right out of college and getting these kids with the hungry attitude. They want to be good in sales. They want to work for a great company. And But when you also look at it, all the, the Volrath sales trainees have had parents that have been in the industry, whether on the dealer side like you or parents that have worked for Volrath. So it, I, I do believe, I mean, there's a lot of factors why young people aren't really exploring this industry more, but I think it's, I, I truly believe it's our kind of responsibility as manufacturers and your responsibility as dealers to kind of go out there and market, whether it's going to job fairs, whether it's going to colleges and setting up a booth and, and explaining the jobs in the industries 
um, to these young kids. I think it, it's our responsibility to go out there and kind of market ourselves better to grab this young talent that you see um, because we're the next generation. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to be the ones that are leading the food service industry into the future. So I think it is very important for the, the food service industry to kind of get on um, recruiting a little bit more younger talent. But And it's incredible how it's changed because you look at food now in every aspect. I mean, there's so much things happening in the food channel and all these, you know, like all these new chains and all the, you know, COVID really, the food service trajectory was just amazing and COVID has kind of flattened it, but it'll go back up. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how it was changing and it was, you know, and that's the evolution of the food service business, you know. And so when we talked earlier about healthcare, you know, we, we went into a healthcare facility that we redid and they put a bistro in and we had a meal there and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This was a you know, better than any chain I've ever eaten in, better than some restaurants I've ever eaten in, and this is what they were serving for lunch to seniors, yep. you know. So it's changing, and that's the thing that makes me excited is that we we are able to reach out to those customers and reach out to those end users and, and work with them on these changes in the thing. But it's still one of those things that we're trying to get more people involved because it's an exciting business. Everybody's going to eat. Everybody's going to have to eat. Everybody's going to need equipment, supplies, uh, disposables, things like that, and we're we're there to help them do that and help them uh, grow in that in that market segment. Um, anything else you think we'd like to know, or our listeners could learn from Volrath or about Volrath or about yourself while you're on this fabulous <laughs> podcast? Um, check out Volrath does have its own podcast, the Volrath <laughs> podcast, run by uh, our chef Rich out of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, listeners because you guys have done a lot of di- during this too you guys have stepped oh, up your been, marketing and our your marketing team podcast been, and I, I follow you guys on twitter and i see a lot and linkedin i see things on that that's a couple things that you you've ingrained in I'm me that, and so has anthony who's uh, sitting right next to us try is, to get you, you on know the, um, i can't do instagram i just have not been able to do it and facebook is still a little bit of a struggle but i like linkedin i like twitter um no our marketing team has been great i mean they've really taken this this downtime not downtime but this time um to pump out product catalog sheets, product spec sheets, videos. You see Chef Rich, he's yep. always always in his, his chef coat. I know you like the one where he, he pounds the nail with the uh, with the mm-hmm. ball wrapped spoon, mm-hmm. where we have our podcast. Our marketing team is doing great because in, in these times, you, we really need to, when people like me and, and you on the streets can't go out and see everyone, if we can, the marketing team can, can pump out as much products and as much information as they can. It really helps during these downtimes when you can't go see this, the, yeah. the customers. And I mean, our team has been doing a great job. All of us in this industry, I think from family owned dealers to the biggest dealers in the, in the market, never have enough time to do what they want to do. And, and this has given us, if there's any silver lining, it has given us time to kind of do a better job with our marketing, with our inventory, with you know, I, I call it selling our sellers and losing our losers. And I know manufacturers are doing that right now. They're sitting there saying, hey, this we're, we're not selling enough of this. We need to focus more on the things that we sell. I think that it, in a whole, it's going to be good for the industry and good for you know, everybody that is involved in the food service business. I just want to get out of it. I just yeah. want to move forward enough, you know. I, you know, I know I'm impatient and I'm, you know, I just I want everybody to be able to go back and have a normal life again and be able to do what we used to do and do it even better. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that Volrath is, you know, looking at that and positioning themselves to, you know, work that way through. I'm excited for the future. I think it's going to show this time is going to show you who was kind of sitting back and, and waiting for COVID to be over. And it's going to show you who was who was making the right moves and looking at themselves and, and yeah. really getting ready to go back to the grindstone. 
it's weird because we've had some really good strong end users and they you know one put a new pizza program in together one redid his whole bar another one re he literally got in and he's working on the line and he's cooking and he's figuring out what did another one completely revamped his salad program and he's and and we had dinner there a couple weeks ago i was blown away it was probably one of the best meals i've had in a mm-hmm. long time and so I'm excited because I think everybody's gotten a chance now to sit there and say, okay, this is what I could fix, this is what I should fix, and this is what I did fix. Um, and I think that's great for this industry because that'll just make everybody in the chain, whether it's a, a, a Cisco or U.S. Foods or us or, you know, uh, a manufacturer, benefit from all that good, you know, changes. The food service industry isn't going anywhere. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see the innovation that comes out of this. Good. Good. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Gearhearts podcast. And uh, if you like this, please, again, uh, give us a like and then tell any one of your friends to listen to us on Gearhearts podcast. Thank you all and have a great day. Well, there it is. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review to let us know what you think of the Gearhearts podcast. You can also connect with us online on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can find us online at our website at gearharsequipment.com.